Today I'm going to talk about salvation. I'm going to talk about what people need to do to get saved. If people ask you, what shall I do to get saved? What will you then answer? Many today would answer, hey, you have to pray the sinner's prayer. Ask Jesus into your heart. But this is not what we see in the Bible. Peter didn't stand out on Pentecost and say, bow your head and ask Jesus into your heart by praying this prayer after me. No, he was talking about something else. He was talking about repentance toward God. He was talking about baptism to Jesus Christ. And he was talking about receiving the Holy Spirit. Because we need the whole Godhead. We need the God, the Father, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And this is what we see here, repentant toward God. Baptism to Jesus Christ and baptism with the Holy Spirit. And where I look so much forward to sharing this teaching to you. I'm so excited about this teaching. And I believe it's going to provoke you, but it's going to set so many people free. So listen to this teaching and my wife in the end is also going to sing a song. God bless you. Welcome to this video. I look so much forward to this lesson. This is lesson number seven. And I believe this teaching is going to change your life. This is going to change many people's lives. It's going to change the church because I'm talking about the foundation today. I'm talking about salvation. And this is so important. And I have so much to say. And so I want to get started. And my wife is going to sing a song in the end of this teaching. I just want to say that uh, two times ago we had about healing and last time we had about kickstarting and many people have got kickstarting all over the world. And I want to share some testimony about that later because I want to get started with this teaching and because I want to share a little testimony from Canada. We have just been in Canada, my wife and me, and it was amazing. Where God is doing great things. God is doing amazing things. And, and we are also like, whoa, in shock to see how God is working, how God, Jesus is building his church. And we met also many people from the Bible school who came to, who want to join us these days. And it was, it, was, it was amazing. It was so good to meet them and hear their testimony, how they have got blessed through this Bible school. I can say that we started in Victoria where we were some days and God did a lot of things. Many people got kickstarted and then we went to Nanaimo and, and it was also amazing. God did amazing things in Nanaimo. There came some people who had seen the video from Vancouver who was on a campus there and doing some campus work there from the gospel. And they have seen the video. They have not prayed for sick people the way before. So they want to have that as a part of their work at the campus. So they came. And, and it was so good. I walked with them in a mall and, and God did amazing things there. I saw a young guy and girl. I got led to, to them and we went to them later when we saw them again. And, and both of them got healed when the people from the campus prayed for them. 
And then the boy, he, he was just so open for God. So I took him beside, prayed for him, and he just met God. He, he experienced God. He was standing like this. And then, then he opened his eyes and he was like, you can see he, he didn't know what he should do with himself. He was like, whoa. And he was walking around and I said, how are you? I saw a light. I saw a light came over me. And you could see in his eyes that he had just met God. I said to them, to him, we have to go again and meet some other. If you want more, you can come to us in a half hour. And a half hour later, he came again. And, and he came and he said, I'm new. I don't know. I am new. I can feel I'm changed inside. I cannot put word on this, but I'm new. <laughs> and then we went out and prayed for him. And he there got baptized with the Holy Spirit and started to speak in tongues. And he was again like, oh, where do you come from? It's not me who's speaking. How is it? Because he was so new in it. But we see the kingdom of God is growing. Then a lot of things happened. We experienced a persecution. We got thrown away from this place and the police came. And yeah, a lot of things happened. Uh, but again, when the, we got thrown away, some of the people who were with us, they, they met God while they got thrown away. And, and they don't, it's not easy to explain, but you read in the Bible that Peter and John got persecuted and other people got, and they got forbidden to tell about Jesus. But after they experienced that, they, they, they experienced a great joy. And when we read this, if you have not experienced it, we should think in our mind that when we get persecuted, we are going to be sad and it's going to do that. We are going to draw away from it all and don't want to do it again. But it's not like that. Because when you get persecuted, you experience the joy of Jesus. And there was a woman who was with us. She was out later in the church giving a testimony. And she said, I have got my life back today. I'm like born again. I got thrown out of a mall. And I have it on video. And, and you, you have to see the videos we have from this place. In Nanaimo also, there was a woman who, who was walking with a cane. Eight years, she had not been able to walk without pain. And of riders in her body and she was going to get operated two days later and she got delivered from a demon one night at a meeting and she was healed and she could walk without the cane and two days later she uh, she canceled her operation and and later she came to the meeting and gave a testimony and she stood up on sunday after we went Somebody told me she stood up on Sunday, gave a testimony in front of the church, and they took her cane and hang up in front of the stage now. So in the church, her cane is hanging there as a testimony for everybody that Jesus is the same today. And when she stood up, gave a testimony, another woman stood up afterward and gave a testimony. She had just prayed for somebody the day before who got healed. Somebody who was dizzy and got healed. And then they saw afterward that the one who got healed the day before was the mother to the one who got healed with the cane. So God is healing the family without they knew it because they were not talking with each other. And, and, and I tell a lot of testimony that this is just continuing because also we went to Power River and it was amazing. People got saved again, baptized in water, the Holy Spirit. I think we baptized nine people in water in Power River. And people were set free from demons. People really met God there. There was a guy who really met God. God called him in an amazing way. And one day at the meeting, there was a girl, uh, 20 something years who was born deaf in one ear. 
and, and, and this guy came to me and said, Tom, pray for her. But I said, no, you pray for her because he had just met God in a new way. And he prayed for this woman who was born deaf. She had never heard in one ear and God opened her ear and she could hear for the first time in her life. And God did amazing things. And the good things about it is that this is continued. This is what we see. It continued after we have been there. Just a few hours ago, there was one who wrote on Facebook from Power River. Torben, so much is, have been happening. The, the second and third class at the Christian school in Power River prayed for one who have broken the foot two places today, who got healed. <laughs> this is kids now, because we had the meeting at the school, and there was kids from the school there, and they have to continue. So now, today, kids from second and third class pray for somebody in classmate who have broken the foot, who got healed. <laughs> A friend who have her kids with us who have food allergy you prayed for is also all healed. She wrote that and write that. So it was somebody who have her kids with her and they had food allergy. They could not eat this and this and this. And it was like every kid who have it and they all got healed. And one more she wrote write about uh, they have just prayed for who have arthritis in her elbow and they prayed for her and she also got healed. The pain went and she could move the arm like she had not been able to in many, many years. So God is good. And another guy is writing for Nanaimo, where he's writing also that the movement that have started is just continue and a lot of things is happening. Okay, but you can see the video from this place. I've made like five, six videos and they're going to come out the next days. And some of them is already out now. So go and see the video from... Uh, from uh, Canada because it was amazing and, and it have created, started a movement that starting after we are gone. And this is what I like, this is continue. But I have so much I want to share, so I want to lay, lay these testimonies away from Canada, go see it on our videos and I'm going to share some testimony from kickstarting the next time. But now I want to start with this. Jesus have commanded us to heal the sick and preach the gospel. And we have been talking about healing and now we're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about how we preach the gospel. We're going to talk about what the gospel is and what people shall do to get saved. And I want to say that what I'm going to share today is also going to provoke you. I'm going to say something that's going to like what? Uh, especially if you are from a Lutheran background, if you are from a Catholic background, from a Baptist background and other backgrounds is going to provoke you because each background, as I have here, as I've been talking about, have their own classes, their own traditions. And you saw that when it comes to healing, many things have been taught about healing, but many of the things we hear in the churches today about healing is not right. But the same way when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to what shall we do to get saved? And there today, we are building on a background on our tradition. We have the Book of Acts, the Catholic Church, the Reformation, and we are building on that background today, instead of the what the world is saying, instead of building on the Word of God. 
And you're going to see that very clear in this teaching. And you can, you're going to see that what they did in the book of Acts, where they have revival Christianity, what they did there was very different when it comes to salvation than what we do today. Because many things changed during that period when the Catholic Church came. And then we got the Reformation, and we are building on some of the things from the Reformation, the Baptist, the Methodist. We are building on some of it today, but we are not building on the whole foundation. We are not building on the whole foundation we saw in the Book of Acts. And I believe that this is a really, really big problem in two areas. <laughs> it do that many today lack the love, the power, the the obedience to God because they are not truly saved. They try to live as a disciple, but they're trying to live on the wrong foundation. And they don't have the seal from God for God. They don't have the hunger inside of them. Because many of the things they have in the head, not here, down here. This is the problem. Another problem, the big problem, is also that many people are deceived. And many people one day is going to stand in front of God and they're going to get shocked because they thought everything was okay. And this is the big problem. <laughs> and that's why I want to talk about what I'm going to talk about today. And uh, before I'm going to start, I want to pray because somehow this is not an easy message to speak because there is so many different people who see this video from different backgrounds. It was easy for me if I knew exactly who I was standing in front of, because then I could say it very clear, very bold, because I knew who was listening and I knew what way to say it. But now I'm standing in front of a camera where there's many, many different people from many different backgrounds. And this is often the problem with what we are doing today. And that's why I believe in discipleship, one-on-one -on -one discipleship. I believe in small groups where we can disciple each other because somehow it becomes so much stronger because there you can take a person from where he is and take him through the Word of God and then see his life changed. And if I was standing in front of one person there, I would do it in one way, but if I was standing in front of this person, I would do it in another way. I would take them the same place to what the word is saying, but I would do it in two different ways. And this is just something that makes it difficult with a video like this. But I will pray that God will help me to share this message and that you will experience that the Holy Spirit is going to touch you through this word. So I hope you are ready for this. God, we thank you for everything you are doing. God, we thank you for the... Many, many people around the world who is gain, getting kickstarting God, who stand to heal the sick God. God, but I pray that we also will get the right foundation when it comes to share the gospel, God. And we will not be deceived, God. Come with your Holy Spirit and help me to share what you want me to share today. Help me, God, to share this word. And come and toss everybody who's seen this video, God. Open their eyes, open their ears, open their heart, God. Come and touch them, I ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to start a place that's a little different than I think many of you thought I was going to start. 
because we're going to start in Matthew 7. And what I'm going to read in Matthew 7 is a word that many know. A word that has been used and misused in the church. He said, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done mighty wonders in your name? And then I will con uh, declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Last time I talked about kickstarting. Come on, let's go out and heal the sick. Because this is so simple. This is so easy. We can do it. But it's so important that we still get the right foundation when it comes to repentance, when it comes to holiness, and when it comes to knowing God, what we are reading here. Some people, I know Jehovah's Witness and other people are using this scripture to say that healing and, and casting out demons is something that I have ceased, is not there today, because Jesus said here, many one day will say, depart from me, I never know you. And he is going to say that to people who heal the sick and cast out demons. But the problem here is not that they cast out demons and heal the sick. He don't say that, hey, you heal the sick, you cast out demons, go away. No, this is not the problem. But he's going to say to many people, Who's going, he's going to say something to many people who have healed the sick and cast out demons. Because healed the sick and cast out demons was a normal part of the first church. And it's going to be a normal thing in the last church. This is going to be something everybody is doing. Everybody is healing the sick. Everybody is casting out demons. Because this is somehow so simple and have to do with simple faith. So the problem here is not that they heal the sick and they cast out demons. The problem is that he said in the end, depart from me, I never knew you. When we talk about never knew, he never knew them, Jesus knows everybody. He's God. He knows how many hairs we have on our head. He knows everything about us. So when he said, I never knew you, it was not because he didn't know those people. But he's talking about the, the fellowship, the intimate fellowship with them. They knew him as friends. They was walking together. They were living together. And I'm going to use a lot of time of that later, talking about the whole part of knowing God, knowing God. Because God has not called us to believe in him. He has called us to know him. If you go to John 17, verse 3, the Gospel of John, the Bible said that this is the eternal life, that they know you, the one true God and him you send, Jesus Christ. So the Bible says that this is the eternal life. Not that they believe in, not that they believe he's there, but that they know him. 
the one true God and him who sent Jesus Christ. So we are called not to just believe in God. We are called to know God. And I'm going to talk about that later. And if I go to churches today and ask people how many believe in God, many people raise their hand up. If I then ask them how many know God, then people would like, I think I know God. Come on. You should not think that you know God. You should know him. And this is something that is not done in two minutes. This is something that takes a life to come into fellowship and knowing God. And this is so important that we not one day is here in this world. I, I really didn't know you. You were doing something for me, but I didn't know you. But the problem is what he's also saying here. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. If you go to the book of John, chapter 3, I think I have it here. Yeah, verse 4. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, for sin is lawlessness. You know that he, this is Jesus Christ we're talking about, appeared in order to take sin away, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins, and no one who sins have seen him and know him. So we are talking about, he's talking about they don't know him. This is what John is talking about here. If you continue in sin, if you live in sin, you don't really know God. And that's no matter if you are a priest, if you stand behind a pulpit and preach. If you continue living in sin, you don't know God. And you can experience things with God even if you don't know Him and even if you live in sin. And this is something we don't understand in our mind. But Jesus called the twelve disciples to Him, gave them power to heal the sick and cast out demons. One of those twelve was Judas. Judas. And Judas was a liar. Judas was a thief. He was stealing and he went wrong. He went to hell. He was not a true disciple, but God still used him. So that we are getting used by God, that people are getting used by God, is not this sign that everything is okay. It's not this sign, it's a sign. And this is a part of knowing God to experience those things. But this is not this sign. We need to look at people's life if people live a holy life. And, and the problem here is not that they cast out demons, the healers said. The problem was that they practiced sin. And they really didn't know God. Because if you know Him, you will not live in sin. And try to see, this is really strong. Because the word is saying that many one day will say, Lord, Lord. The reason it stands, Lord, Lord, is not because one is standing with a chewing gum and saying, Lord, Lord. No. The reason it's standing two times is not because one said it two times. It's because today, if we want to underline something in a text, we underline it or make it bold or something so people can see that this is a word with power. In the Bible, they said it two or three times to underline it. 
So when it stands, Lord, Lord is not like, Lord, Lord, it's like, Lord, it's like one time, but with everything you have in it. Many one day is going to say, Lord, and be shocked because they were deceived. And this is a problem. Many people in the end time is going to be deceived. And we are now living in the end time also, and we are living in time where the lawlessness is taking over. And we see that in the churches today. Yeah, you can heal the sick, you can learn many things and live in sin. But to come in to know God, to be led by the Holy Spirit, to see that everyday life is all about, you have to live a holy life. And if you truly are born again and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, then the Holy Spirit is talking about being holy. He's talking about being transformed to the image of God. And we see a movement today who really look like the right thing because many of the things is right. And they have somehow the power of God as one leg, but they don't have the other leg. The repentance, the holiness, the fear of God. And I believe that the last reformation we are going to see is a last reformation they are building on both legs. They have the power of God, but, but at the same time, the holiness, the fear of God, the true repentance. This is my heart. And if you ask me what I stand for, for and I know many people have seen my videos, and, and now we have been focused on, on the Bible school with healing. And many people is, and some people is asking, yeah, Tom, but what about the other part? Where are you? I'm going to show you where I am. I'm going to show you what I believe. And this is what God has said to me. And this is going to be part of the last reformation. But many things, this is only the seven video out of 20. So there is still many things I want to share, but we need to take one step at a time. And I felt like I should start with the healing before I'm going to talk about this because Often when we talk about this, many people think, oh, I have to have everything perfect before I can start to heal the sick. And they never start. No, you can start for the first day, but don't stop there. You still have to work on your salvation, as the Bible says. So Jesus is talking about many one day, and then he's just before he's talking about a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So you can know them by the fruit. You can know a tree by the fruit. And then later he's talking about that if we want to build on the rock, we should not only hear the word, but we should actually do it. And those people who only hear the word and do not do it, it's like a stupid man who's building his house on sand. He's going to fall down. So if we want to stand for eternity, and stand firm. We need to have fear of God in our life, and we need to build on the Word of God. And I'm going to talk about the gospel, and when we talk about how to get saved, I want to say that Paul is saying that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel is a power. 
<laughs> supernatural, amazing power that can go in and save life. Healing, amazing. De deliverance, amazing. I just pray for some who got delivered some days ago. He, he had like a fear in his life who suddenly come over him. And, and when he, not a fear, sorry, a loneliness. And when he come over him, he want to take on his own life. He had people around him. But when this experience came over him, he could not see anyone around him. He was just all alone in the whole world. And there he wanted to take his own life. And he wanted that the day before I met him. But when I met him two days ago, or what it was, three days ago, I don't remember now. When I met him, I prayed and suddenly, uh, uh, and this demon went out of him. And he experienced the peace of God and was smiling. He was set free. He felt physical how this loneliness left him. He was set free. And he was smiling and I saw it and everybody who was saw, saw him saw the manifestation and how it left him. But this is powerful. The gospel is power. But the most powerful thing is the whole salvation. I have seen people who have been against me. But when God touched them and they repent, suddenly they're my brothers. Suddenly they're my sister-in-law. They are my family. And we can stand together and serve God. To see life Chains for eternity is so amazing. But many today don't see the gospel as a power that can save. Why? Many in churches today is struggling with people. Like, oh, they, they live in sin. They, they, they have all the problems and they don't want to obey God. And, and, and I have to follow up on them always and call them and you have to come to church. But it should not be like that. If you do that with people, the problem is not what you think it is. The problem is that they're not truly safe. The problem is that they're building on a wrong foundation. But you don't need to follow up on people if they are truly saved. Like P Jesus. Did Jesus follow up on people? Did Jesus follow up on the first disciples? Did Jesus like, come, you need to, come on. Okay, I don't need to. Okay, we don't have to have so long meeting. Let's just sit and talk about other things. Let, let's have fun today. <laughs> no. He was living and it was their goal to follow Jesus, not him to follow them. <laughs> when it's when talk about following up. And today we have big crusade around the world today where evangelists is having meetings and we say that millions of people say yes to Jesus. But out of those people, how many strong disciples do we see afterwards? A few people, a few percent. They say like 95, 98% of all the people who accept Jesus on a crusade never come to church, never fall, continue in him. And today we have all over the world, we have people in America especially and all over the world who have accepted Jesus many times in their life. Yeah, I got saved there, I got saved there, I, I asked Jesus into my heart there, I got asked Jesus into my heart there. But you don't see the fruit and you can know a tree by the fruit. Why don't you see the fruit in their life? Because they're not truly saved. 
if they are truly saved. The gospel is the power to save. The gospel is the power to change life. And what do we want? Do we want a lot of people who like lift their hands and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and no fruit? And they're going to live in a, be deceived, live in a lie. And one day they're going to hear, I never knew you, you who do sin. Or do we want strong Christian who build on the right foundation and continue it? And this is what we want. And therefore, we need to look at the gospel. When I talk about asking Jesus into your heart, this is not something Jesus did. Said. It was not something the first Christian said. It was not something we see in the beginning of the Reformation and the Baptist and Methodist revival. No, this is where we knew. This is something you have seen the last 100 years, 200 years. A few hundred years, people asking this in your, to your heart. But at first, like the last hundred years, have really been accepted as a truth in the church. And if you go on the website and talk about sinner's prayer, it's like it's so much a part of our mindset that we believe that this is biblical. That this is biblical with the sinner's prayer. But you don't find any sinner's prayer in the Bible. The first Christian, when they want to get saved, they didn't pray a prayer and ask Jesus into their heart. They did something very different. And this is the reason we see it looks like the gospel is not powerful to save. This is the reason that many churches today have problems discipling people because, to be honest, many are not saved. Many live in a on a lie. And I'm going to provoke you, I know that. Uh, and I want to say I'm not a typical like evangelist of what I am because I don't write on Facebook, hey, 10 people got saved, 100 people got saved because what I want, I don't want to give a lot of numbers. No, I want to see strong disciples. Rather see less people get saved and those people continue in Christ. And if you look in the church in Denmark, I don't say this to be proud, but I'm one of the people in Denmark who have led most people to Christ. And if you look in the church around Denmark, you see that those people I have led to Christ. And there are in almost many, many churches around Denmark. Those people I have led to Christ is stronger often than many of the other because they got the right foundation for the beginning. And because they got the right foundation, they're continuing that. I don't see that. I have not seen people fall away because the Bible said it would, it would happen. But because I do it the way the Bible do it, I see stronger Christians. Then there's other evangelists who have a lot of numbers, who send a lot of newsletters out that many, many people are going to save, but you don't find those people anywhere. So what do we want? Do we want a lot of numbers or do we want to see strong Christians who obey God? And I believe this is what you want. And again, we don't want to be deceived ourselves. And I have a problem when we talk about salvation that the Bible said, Jesus said that each time a sinner repent, there is joy in heaven. <laughs> And it should be like that here on earth. I want to rejoice each time one is getting saved. But 
If I read a newspaper, a Christian newspaper, see on the website, and hear somebody who have been out on the street and say, hey, those got saved, those got saved, those got saved. To be honest, I can really not rejoice with them because I'm thinking, I don't want to think that. I'm thinking in my mind, are they truly saved? Did they repent for their sin or did they just pray, pray, prayer? Did they continue in Christ after this or was it just one moment at that moment? And because this is so part of our culture, and I hear so many numbers of people ask Jesus there to the heart, Jesus there, some of them is truly getting saved, yes, but many you don't see anymore. So because it's like that, I cannot rejoice with people anymore, and I don't want that. I want to hear, hey, this person got saved, and I go, whoa! Nice! And I rejoice because I just got a new brother, a new sister in the Lord. And it should be like that. So we should not misuse the word, and like they got saved, they got saved, they got saved. We need to do it the way the Bible. But when we talk about salvation, I want to ask you something. Saved from what? What are you saved from? If I ask people in the church today, what are you saved from? Many people would say, I'm saved from hell. Hey, I'm not going to hell. I'm saved. Ask Jesus into your heart. And you, if you pray this prayer, if you pray this prayer, you are not going to hell. Do you want to go to hell? No. Then pray this prayer. And people pray a prayer. Yes, happy, you are not going to hell. Well, we are not saved from hell. The Bible don't say, you don't see in the Bible that the first Christian repent and get saved from hell. It's not hell we are saved from. We are saved from sin. Yeah, sin then leads to hell. But we are not saved from hell. We are saved from our sin. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, There is the Lamb of God who is going to take away the sin. Do you know why Jesus called Jesus? Because he's going to save us from our sin. When Mary heard that she should call Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> we read here, You shall call him, his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. So Jesus came as the Lamb of God to save us from our sin. So if you are saved, what are you saved from? Not from hell, but you are saved from your sin. It's all about sin. Sin came into the world, destroyed the fellowship between us and God. Jesus came to take away our, to die on the cross, so he there could take away our sin. So we are not going to go to hell. Yes. So we are going to get fellowship with God because he's taking that away. There's dividing people from God because God is holy. So sin is the problem. Sin is what we are saved from. Like Jesus the saying that in, in, about the sheep who was lost. The 99 sheep and the one who was Lord, Luke 15, I think. Jesus said that there is joy each time a sinner repent than 99 righteous who don't need it. So what is all about it? To see sinner repent from their sin and experience forgiveness. If you say you are saved 
and still live in sin. Is that possible? Is it possible to continue in sin and be saved at the same time? No, it's not. In, in our mind, when we talk about being saved from hell, we think, hey, we can continue in sin because I'm saved from hell. No, it's not hell that's the problem, it's sin that's the problem. So if you are continuing in sin, you are not safe. Because Jesus did not come to just stand between us and God, as I heard many people in Denmark say and other places, stand between God and us, so God cannot see our sins. No, he can see our sins. You read also in Matthew 7. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, you who do sin. He saw their sin. And he's going to see your sin and my sin if we continue living in sin. But a Christian is somebody who do not continue living in sin. Because Jesus died from the cross and he did everything that was necessary to take sin away from us. If you want to really know God, we have to build on the right foundation. If somebody asks you, what shall I do to get saved? What would you then answer? Would you answer, um, pray Jesus into your heart? And I want to say, I pray with them. I pray like a prayer together and they confess and I pray after them. And they pray after me. I don't have problem with that. No, it's okay to pray for people. The problem is if you don't speak the whole gospel. And the problem is if you say, hey, now you're safe, you're going to heaven. No, I pray this prayer to feel where are people, are they open for God? And if they're open, the Holy Spirit is going to come, but not because of the prayer. The prayer is just something I do to get a time to be alone with people and pray with them. It's not like, a matching prayer that saves people. No, it's all about the heart if they have understood the gospel. How do you share the gospel? I want to look at how Peter in the Bible shared the gospel. Peter in the Bible, you see in the beginning of the book of Acts, just after the, gospel, the Holy Spirit was poured out of people, Peter preached the gospel and you don't see everything he preached. Because the book of Acts is not a, a systematic theology. <laughs> you know, I've been talking about the book of Acts. The, the book of Acts is written like the, it's written. You cannot build theology out of it only, but you can see what they did and go back and look at Jesus and see how this is, is comparing with each other. And out of that, you can build theology. But not alone, because many places in the book of Acts, you don't see the whole picture. And I'm going to explain that. But especially with Peter, you don't see everything he preached. You see a lot of things. But you see very clear an answer he gave to people. Because those people were struck in the heart when he preached the gospel. And they asked him, what shall we do? Other words, what shall we do to get saved? Tell us. And Peter stood up there on Pentecost together with the other disciples. And he said, bow your head, everybody. And if anybody wants to receive Jesus, you lift your hand. Yeah, I see the hand there. And I see the hand there. I see the hand there. Thank you. Thank you. And now pray this prayer just in your heart. And, and people, Peter took them through a sinner's prayer. 
And then he said, yes, now you are safe. No. This is what many do today. But it was what, not what Peter did. It was not what the first disciples did. Peter, he did it very different. The first disciple did it very different. Jesus did it very different. And because of that, they saw different results than what many is seeing today. Because of that, they saw that the gospel is powerful to save. What did Peter do? Peter said, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So Peter said three things. He talked about repent. Everybody repent. And then he said, and get baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. He said, get baptized for the forgiveness of your sin and receive the Holy Spirit. And he said, this promise is not only for those. This is for everybody God is calling on, the children and far away. This promise is also for us today that we shall repent. And when we repent, and when we get baptized for the forgiveness of our sin, we will receive the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God is the seal of our salvation. This is what Peter said. This is what the first Christian did. Those three things. And as I told you last time, we should always look at Jesus when we talk about theology. And we are also going to do this. So let's look at Jesus and see if Jesus, Peter did the same as Jesus have commanded him to when it comes to preach the gospel. When we read about Jesus in the book of Mark in the beginning and in the book of Matthew, you can read the first word that coming out of Jesus' mouth. And you read here, from that time Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the first word that came out of Jesus' mouth was repent. The first word that came out of Peter's mouth was repent. And the Bible says that we should preach repentance to the whole world today. Repent from your sin. Turn away from your sin. Turn toward God. Repent from your sin toward God. This is what Peter, Jesus came with. It was what he preached and it was what Peter preached and the first disciples. The question is then, what about baptism in water to Jesus Christ? Was that something Jesus did? No, it was not something he did, it was something he preached. What you have to understand is that 
When Jesus walked here on earth in the Gospels, it was still the Old Covenant. It was before the cross. And baptism in water had to do with the burial of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. Jesus died on the cross, he got buried and he stood up again. And baptism in water to Jesus Christ is a picture of that. So when we today get baptized, we get baptized to Jesus' death for us to rise up with him and live the new life. So nobody in the Gospels got baptized to Jesus Christ because there was no baptism in water. Nobody received the Holy Spirit there because the Holy Spirit was not poured out. It just it first got poured out on Pentecost when Jesus had rose up. And often many people is so many people don't understand that truth and are getting deceived today. When I first say to people, it's important that you get baptized in water and receive the Holy Spirit. I heard so many people say, no, 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 no. What about a robber on the cross? He didn't get baptized. And I was like, no, he didn't get baptized. Because there was no baptism in water. None of the people in the book of, in the gospel got baptized. But again, baptism in water has to do with the life we have to live when we have repented. Baptism in water has to do with freedom from sin so we can live the holy life. So one day we're going to stand in front of God and going to not hear this word apart from me, you who do lawlessness. But the robber on the cross, he was going to die in a few minutes. He didn't need the whole part to, for him to live the holy life because right there he got forgiveness for his sin and right there he took his last breath and went home to the kingdom of God. But you are not living at that time and you are not hidden on the cross and, and, and that's why you, don't, you cannot take yourself and put in the same place as the robber on the cross. And many people are unfaithful to God and living in a lie today because we are building on the wrong foundation. We should not build on the old covenant when it comes to this. We should build on the new covenant. But Jesus talked about baptism in water because he said, as one of the last words, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Them. So he commanded us to go make disciples, baptizing them. And what did Peter say? Peter, he said, repent like Jesus. And he said, be baptized like Jesus have commanded him to. What about the Holy Spirit? Jesus said to his disciples, look, I'm sending you what my father promised. Stay in the city until you have been closed with power from on high. And there he talked about the Holy Spirit. And in John 16, he's talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about that one day there's going to come a time where you are going to pray in my name. Not Now you are not praying my name, but one day you're going to do it. He said that it's best for you I go away because then I can send the Spirit to you. So Jesus is talking about in John 16 and other places, talking about a time that's going to come. And we are living in that time. Right now we are praying in the name of Jesus. The disciples didn't do that the same way. 
when they went out. But right now we are living in that time after the cross. So Jesus said, repent. He talked about being baptized in water and he talked about the Holy Spirit. And this is not only for the disciples, it's for everybody God is calling on far away from our children, 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 and so on. So if somebody asks Peter, what shall I do to get saved? If somebody asks Jesus after the cross, what shall I do to get saved? They will not say, pray a sinner's prayer. They will say, repent. Repent for your sin. They will say, I have it here. Be baptized in water to Jesus Christ. And they will say, be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And why was it repentance? Why is it baptized in water? And why is it baptized with the Holy Spirit? Because we believe in God the Father and Jesus the Son of God and the Holy Spirit. Many people try to live as a disciple with only one or two of those things. There is people today who believe, have God, believe in Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit is not part of their life. And because that, they don't have the fullness of God and they're living in a deceive. They're deceived. So what we see here is the Godhead. Because repentance is toward God, baptism is to Jesus Christ, and baptism is with the Holy Spirit. So here we have God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. The whole Godhead is in that. And you, and when we talk about believing in God, knowing God, it's talking about the whole Godhead. Know God and Him you sent Jesus Christ. Be revealed by the Holy Spirit. So we have repentance toward God, baptism to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So this is what Jesus speak about. It was what Peter preached and it was what the first church preached in the book of Acts. But many things got changed at that time and then we got the Catholic Church. And then the Reformation came and said that no, it's not by all the tradition we see there, it's by faith. And this is by faith. But they have somehow understood what faith is, some of it. And we are not building on the Reformation today because there was many things Luther didn't see. He have not understood the fullness, the fullness of the baptism. He didn't do that. He have not experienced the Holy Spirit the way we should today. And if we are building on those foundations, we are going to be deceived, we are going to be wrong. I'm not saying that there is not people here who was safe and live with God. I believe like Jesus, when he revealed something to us, we need to be faithful to that. And the word here, Jesus saying in Luke 15, Had I not come and spoken to them, have they not have sin? But now there is no excuse for their sin. Now in John 9, uh, 41, he said, If you are blind, you will not have sin, but... 
since you say we see, your sin remains. So you more you know, you more is required of you. And I believe that there can be people who in good faith, without the knowledge, was faithful with everything God had revealed. They couldn't come into the fullness of God, but they were still believers and was living with God. But now we know more. God has revealed things and he wants us in the last time to come into the fullness and build on that foundation. But again, people can be deceived. We can think that everything is okay and many one day is going to stand in front of God and be surprised. You see that again and again when Jesus is talking about the end life. I really didn't know you. So don't build the foundation on what other people is doing and what they believed or have thought. No, build on the word of God. Build on the word of God. And there was a lot of things they didn't know, Luther didn't know about the baptism, but it came. About the repentance, holiness with the Methodists, about the Holy Spirit who came there. And, but I know we are built on that foundation today. And you know today what is right. So you have to decide when you hear this word, do you want to build on a wrong foundation with people many years ago what they thought, build on their foundation and be deceived? Because in some areas you know more than they know and God is going to require more from you. You cannot just take what God has given you and dig it down and bury it. Because one day he's going to stand and say, hey, I gave you that. What have you done with what I trusted you? So it's so important that we today preach the fullness of God. No matter what people have done in the history. Yes, we can learn a lot from that. But we are building on their foundation. And I know that God wants to reveal the whole truth to Luther and the Reformation. But he stopped. He didn't do it. So because of that, God sent something new and we got the biblical baptism. But again, they stopped. They didn't see the repentance and they stopped and they didn't see. And then we had the Holy Spirit later. But we today is living in the end time and God is going to reveal everything to us. What about faith? It is not just about faith. The Bible said believe and you shall be saved. Yes, it's all about faith. But we need to understand what faith is. And I have here from John 8, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciple if you remain faithful to my teaching. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So Jesus said, you are truly my disciples if you remain you are my disciple if you remain faithful to my teaching. But I want to say, they said, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. My question was, what do that mean to believe in him? Do they believe that Jesus was a true person who once lived? No. It was not what he was talking about. Because how many at Jesus' time believed that Jesus once was living and was a true person. Everybody. Because everybody could see him, everybody could touch him. But because we are now living 2,000 years after Jesus Christ, the 
whole issue of believing in him have got changed. To not believe in his word and do what he's saying, but to believe in a history person, a person who once lived. So if I go to many Christians today in the church and ask, do you believe in Jesus? In their mind, they think, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And if I ask them, what, what, explain, what do you believe? I believe that Jesus once lived and did miracles and lived here on earth. Okay. But do you live in sin? Yes, I do. But Jesus said, repent. Yeah, but, but I, I, I don't, I, I believe he's, he, he was, but I don't do that. I don't repent. Yeah, he said, get baptized. Yeah, but, but I, this is not something we do. But I believe he, he lived one time. But this is not faith. Faith, the biblical faith, is not to believe that Jesus once lived because everybody at that time knew that he was living. They didn't need faith to believe that he was living. They could see him, they could touch him, they could talk with him. So belief in him is not belief so much in the person who once lived, it's belief in his words. And the words before that, you read, when Jesus spoke like that, many believed in him. When Jesus spoke, they believed that what he was saying was the truth. And then Jesus said to them, if you too want to be safe, want to be my disciples, then remain faithful to my teaching, continue in it, do what I'm do saying to do, and then you have the eternal life. Because I am the way, the life, true and the life. Nobody come to Father unless through me. So remain in my teaching. Faith in Jesus is not a head faith that he won't live. Faith is to be faithful in his teaching. Like if I'm standing here now on our, our road and you are standing beside the road, and there's coming a big truck behind me, and you are shouting, Torben, be careful, our truck is coming. If I look at you, if I believe in you, can I then, okay, I believe what you're saying, and still stand still, no. If I believe what you are saying, I would move. If I believe in you, I will move. It's not like, oh, I don't believe you are real. Are you real? Do you exist? I know you are real. I know you exist because I can see you. So when I talk about believing in you, it's not about if you're real, it's about your word. But if I believe in your word, I will move. Jesus said, repent. Every person who believes in Jesus will repent. Jesus said, get baptized. Every person who believes in Jesus will get baptized. Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. Every person who believes in Jesus will receive the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, if they don't, it's not the biblical Jesus they receive. Or they don't know the whole truth. Nobody has shared the whole gospel to them. So, what he spoke about, he could also say, believe in Jesus. Because it was what Jesus spoke about. So each time the Bible say we are saved by faith, faith alone, not deeds, faith. This is not 
a faith in a stone. This is not a faith in a building. This is not a faith in a religion. This is a faith in Jesus Christ. This is this faith that saves. And that faith cannot stand alone. Like uh, Luther, he said, we are saved by faith alone. I believe that we are saved by faith alone is only about Jesus Christ. But that faith cannot stand alone because that faith is obedience against him. And he said, repent. So if I believe, I repent. He said, baptize. So if I believe, I get baptized. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe I receive the Holy Spirit. So I can say that I am saved by faith. I am. Yes, I repented. Yes, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes, I received, baptized more than I received the Holy Spirit. But I got saved by faith. And you have to read that each time you read in the Bible, talk about faith, New Testament. It's not faith in a history a person who once lived. It's obedience. The Bible goes, the Bible, faith is to be faithful. Unbe unbelief is to be unfaithful. This is somehow what the word is saying. I remember some years ago, I was studying uh, religion on a school. And our teacher here in Denmark said that in Denmark, you can believe one thing and you can do something else. But when we have to look at the Jews now, you have to understand that in Jewish tradition, to believe one thing is to do one thing. You can, Jews could not believe one thing and do something else. Because to believe at that time was the same as doing. And she was saying that. And she was right with what she was saying about the Jews. But she was wrong saying that we today can believe one thing and do something else. So if I ask people, what shall you do to be safe? I will say, believe in Jesus and you would be safe. But today we need to, be, we need to explain what faith is. We need to believe, uh, explain what it is to believe in Jesus. Because to believe in Jesus is to obey Jesus. And if you ask people in the first church, can you be a disciple of Jesus, you know, a Christian, and not be baptized? They're like, no, you cannot. Because in the first church, they didn't have the sinner's prayer. They have the repentance and baptism in water. And then the receiving of the Holy Spirit. It was what they have. And why is this so important? This is so important because everything of this has to do with sin. Jesus came to save us from sin. Repentance had to do to turn away from our sin. And there we receive the new heart, the new nature. So if you are truly repentant, you cannot live in sin. You cannot continue in sin. I'm going to talk about that later. Because the next three lessons, I'm going to use one lesson talking about repentance. I'm going to use one talking about baptism water and one about the Holy Spirit. But if you are truly repentant, it's not only something you do, it's also something God do. Then he takes the old heart away and gives you a new heart. And then you cannot continue in sin. Because nobody who's born again can continue in sin. I got saved. I repented. 
Nobody told me this is sin, this is sin, this is sin. I came from a non-Christian background outside and got saved. And then I went home to my old life. And each time I did what I was used to, I was like, oh, oh, this is sin. Oh, sorry, God. Oh, forgive me. I cannot do that anymore. I repent. I knew what I was doing was sin. Before I had done it many, 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 many times, I have not had problem with it. But now I could not do it anymore. Why? Because God had given me a new nature. And I know people would have said, come on, Torben, God is not like that. He should not be like that. But I, nobody could tell me something else because inside of me there was a new nature. I knew it was sin. And because of that, I started to live the holy life. This is the sign. You can know a tree by their fruit. Have you not a new fellowship with sin? You don't know God because God is holy. And Jesus came to save us from sin. So repentance have to do with a new heart toward God. Baptism water have also to do with sin because there we get clean by our sin. We get washed clean. Ananias said to Paul, stand up, wash away your sin. Baptism saved. The Bible said, baptism save us. Also here, repent and be baptized. Be baptized for the, repent, for the forgiveness of your sin. Baptism saved. And we don't understand that because we are not, we don't have the Jewish mindset. That time a physical thing has a strong spiritual impact. But now we have the Greek mindset. So we think that physical things is just a symbol. No, it's not a symbol. It's more than a symbol. It's safe. It changed life. I've seen many people be set free from demons when they get baptized. People get healed. People get delivered from sin when they get baptized. Especially when you preach this and they do it in faith. Baptism is very strong. It's safe. Because salvation has to do with sin. We get saved from our sin in baptism. Many Christians have repentance, but they're struggling with sin. They don't feel free from sin. Why? Because they're not baptized. To Jesus Christ. Or they are baptized and don't know what baptism is all about. I got baptized and I didn't know what it's all about. But some years later, God revealed what it was all about. Romans chapter 6. That we through baptism are free from sin, not bound for sin. We can now live a holy life. Sin has no communion over us. Because we are not under the law anymore, but under grace. The whole chapter is talking about freedom from sin. And it starts with baptism. And when I discovered that, suddenly whew, I was free. No more condemnation. I was free from sin. I don't have to go and be like, oh, I have sinned. No, I was free. At that moment, I was delivered from sin. And I'm still free today. And because I was free, and I experienced freedom, I experienced a boldness in front of God because I'm not ashamed, because I'm free from sin.
many have not experienced that because they are not baptized in water and they don't know what baptism do. The first Christian know what it does, did, and because of that, they experience our freedom from sin, our freedom toward God. And this is so important for coming to the strong life we read in the book of Acts. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit have also to do, it's not only speaking in tongues, it is speaking in tongues. This is the sign. But it's not only speaking in tongues. It's much more. It's not only power to evangelize, it's much more. The Holy Spirit is going to deal with sin in our life. He's going to create a holy life so we will be holy as God is holy. And this is also the fruit of the Holy Spirit to reveal sin and to reveal the word of God, who Jesus is. So yeah, I can say it like this. People is a sinner living in sin. Then they repent toward God, ask forgiveness from their sin. They experience the forgiveness. God gives them a new heart. Then they get baptized to Jesus Christ. Goodbye sin. Goodbye old nature. Goodbye. Now I'm cleansed. Now I'm new. Everything is gone. But you also need the power to live the new life. And God wants to work in your life, cleanse you, continue. So work in you so you continue and be holy and holy, holy like God is holy. And there the Holy Spirit come. So we can live a new life. And the Holy Spirit is starting to deal in our life. This is why this is so important. And you can see that this is so much more than ask Jesus into your heart and you make it safe. What I do, I just want to end up with going to the book of Acts and seeing some of the other places where people get saved. There's many people in many places in the Bible where you read that multitude got saved, 3,000, now we were 5,000, and, and you see that. But there is also places where you see a little more, and, and we can learn a lot out of those things. Book of Acts chapter 8, Philip was in Samaria. There you read about faith, the word faith is there. And what you read was Philip, he was new in the faith, he was one who was helping with the tables, but because of persecution, suddenly he was in Samaria and he saw a revival. He didn't know the whole part of the Holy Spirit. He was new as the beginning. So when he saw people go saved, he baptized them immediately to Jesus Christ. Immediately. But because he didn't have prayer for people with the Holy Spirit, the disciple came there and laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. I have baptized many, many, many people with the Holy Spirit. And, and I, like the apostle, meet people today who don't have the fullness of God. They have the repentance, the baptism in water, and they don't have the fullness. And that's why we, the same as the book of Acts, chapter 8, need to come to people and lay their hands on them so they can receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, what you can see here is interesting. There was a guy called Simon. He saw the Holy Spirit was given by the hands of the apostle. How did he see that? And how did the apostle knew that they have not received the Holy Spirit? Because there is always a sign when people receive the Holy Spirit. The sign is speaking in tongues or prophesying. This is always the sign. They open their mouth and something is coming out. In the book of Acts, you read in the beginning that in the beginning here that they speak in other languages, some people understood them. 
This is not often what we do, but the Book of Acts in the beginning was very special because at that moment there was people from many countries in Israel and they want to, God wants to show that the baptism of the Holy Spirit had to do also with preaching the gospel. But I baptized one with the Holy Spirit two weeks ago and she experienced the Holy Spirit came over her and she started to speak the personal speaking tongue. And suddenly she speak another language. I could hear with sentience and everything a full language and then she went out speaking, speaking tongues again. Personal tongues. And she was worshiping God and everything. It was really strong. But Often, the personal tongues is often what people experience. And this is for everybody. The personal tongue is for everybody. The tongue speaking language is a different kind of tongues. But much more about that later. But because of our classes tradition, many don't understand that there is different kind of tongues. There is different kind of tongues. So many people say it's not everybody speaking tongues and they believe that this is for every kind of tongues, but it's not like that. The book of Acts, Philip then continue in chapter 8 and meet the eunuch. What you have to see here is interesting. What you have to see here is that you don't read what Philip preaches to the eunuch, but you read his response. His response is, there's water, can I get baptized? So out of his response, you know that he was preaching baptism in water. I will ask you a question. You have been to many meetings, I believe. Many meetings where our preacher is pre preaching and sharing the gospel. How many meetings have you been on where he preached the gospel in a way so people need to respond to that gospel by saying, I want to get baptized. Most people today have never heard a true gospel preached. They have never been in a meeting where somebody is preaching the same gospel as Philip was preaching, where people respond to the gospel, can I get baptized? But everybody who spoke the gospel in the book of Acts spoke the gospel in a way so people's response was, can I get baptized? Nobody spoke the gospel in a way where people ask Jesus into the heart or just repenting without getting baptized. No, baptism was the door into the new life. So you have to ask yourself that. Do I preach the gospel if people don't respond the same way as, as the eunuch respond? Can I get baptized? The way Peter responds. You know, the radio response to Peter, three thousand got baptized the same day. So we can learn a lot by looking in the book of Acts. Chapter 9, you can read about Paul, how Paul or Saul got saved. And again, you read the interesting here is that again, he got baptized in the middle of night. You don't read about faith, but faith was there. Why? Because he got baptized and he received the Holy Spirit. You don't read that, but you read again because Ananias came and said that I should lay the hands on you and you will receive the Holy Spirit. In Book of Acts, chapter 10, you can read about Peter in the house of Cornelius. What is interesting here is that you can see that they first received the Holy Spirit. And how did he know that? Because they were speaking in tongues and worshiping God. 
So there was again a sign that they have received the Spirit and the sign was speaking in tongues. There is always a sign. And afterward, he said, okay, if they received the Holy Spirit like us, what hindered them in getting baptized? I have baptized children. What? No, I don't believe in infants' baptism because this is unbiblical. But I have prayed for children 10 years, 11 years, 12 years, 7 years who have got baptized with the Holy Spirit and started to speak in tongues. If they have received the Holy Spirit like us, what hindered them in getting baptized? So the Holy Spirit is somehow a sign. And there you saw that the Holy Spirit was poured out of them before they got baptized in water. If I'm standing in front of people and I'm not sure if they have understand the Holy Gospel today, what I often do is I pray for them and if they receive the Holy Spirit, this is a sign that God has accepted them. If God has accepted them, I baptize them. So it was what you read here. So it don't have to be baptism in water and then receive the Holy Spirit. But very often it's like that. Especially with religious people who have a Lutheran or Catholic background. There I see it's good to get baptized before because then they break up of their tradition and it's easier for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Chapter 16. Silas, Peter, Paul and Silas in jail. You read that he asked, what shall we do to get saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you and your house shall be saved. Many people stop there. But we have to explain what believe in Jesus means. So they went home to him and explained what it means. And everybody got baptized the same night. Again, their response to the gospel was they got baptized. In water, and I believe they got baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is what we read through the gospel. And we're going to take the last place where you see it very clear and end up with this. Book of, uh, the, uh, book of Acts chapter 19. You can read about Paul, how he came to Ephesus. And it's interesting because we read that Paul came to Ephesus and he finds some disciples. What do that mean? That means some Christian, somebody who was believing in Jesus. But like other people through the history, they didn't know the fullness of God. They, were, they have repented, they believe in Jesus, but they have not received the baptism. And that was so important that Paul came there and did that with them. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? In verse 2. And for many Christians today, is that a uh, funny question? Because many is teaching today that if you believe you have the Holy Spirit, but there is a difference between believing and get saved by the Holy Spirit and get baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you repent, it's by the Holy Spirit. Yes, but you still have to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus, when he rose up again, John 20, he came to his disciples. He blew on them, received the Holy Spirit. There they received the Holy Spirit in John 20, 20. Like, why? Because there Jesus had rose from the dead and he could give them the Holy Spirit. But afterward, he said to the same people, stay in the city until you receive the power from on high. Because it's not enough to just get saved by the Holy Spirit. They have to get baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they say, we have not heard of the Holy Spirit. So they are from this church, this church, this church, this denomination, this denomination. Because there's many people today who don't know about the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, 
Yeah, but what did you get baptized? And they only get baptized unto John, the repentance baptism you read in the gospel. Paul said, yeah, John baptized with water to repentance, but he said that people should believe in him who come after, Jesus Christ. And when he, they heard this, they got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So they got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And when Paul laid hands on them, they received the baptism and the Holy Spirit came over them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So they got baptized with the Holy Spirit. Many, many people today in the church have it like the people in Ephesus. They only have the repentance. They truly repent. They don't have, they don't have the right baptism. We're talking about people in Lutheran church, in Catholic church, in other churches that don't have the baptism. There's many people in other churches who don't have the baptism with the Holy Spirit. My question to you is, what foundation are you going to build on? Many is one day going to stand in front of God and he will say, go away. I don't know you. I really don't know you. Close. You live in sin. You are going to stand in front of Jesus, not in front of Luther, not in front of uh, John, the one I don't remember the name now, who's done the, the Baptist, not in front of the Methodists, uh, the Wesley brothers. You're not going to stand up in front of Moody or Finney or, or Spurton or all the other people. You're not going to stand in front of Eva Roberts. You are going to stand in front of Jesus Christ. What foundation are you building on? Are you building on your religious boxes or are you building on the word of God? And this is hard for many people because there is many people inside each of these boxes behind me that I believe know the truth, but they are afraid to obey the truth because it's going to cost them opposition from friends, family, from some people, some pastors, it's going to cost them their job. And they are therefore deceived because they trust the system more than the word of God. You have to decide who do you want to confess as Lord. Romans 10, 9 says, confess Jesus as Lord. It's not a sinner's prayer. He said it to the Jews. There was a lot of opposition and people want at that time to take them back to, Jews, to the Jewish faith. And they have to understand what do they want. Do they want to circumcise themselves and go back to that? Or do they want to get the head kick uh, taken off? And he therefore right confessed Jesus Lord. So this is something. This is going to cost you everything. This is going to cost you your life. But if you confess Jesus as Lord, do what he says you shall be saved. And I want to say to you, you need to confess Jesus as Lord. No matter what people around you say, no matter what the system say, you need to confess Jesus as Lord. You need to repent for your sin. You need to get baptized in water, down under water, up again on your own faith. This is baptism. It means under water. It's not sprinting on water. This is not baptism. And you need to receive the Holy Spirit. And there is always a sign when you need receive the Holy Spirit. I know there's people who have received the Holy Spirit that got filled up, but they didn't speak in tongues because of their religious glasses. But 
They just need to understand how the Holy Spirit is working and then they need to use the gift they already has. I'm going to talk about that when I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. So this is what I want to say. I also want to say to you who's preaching the gospel. If you want to be faithful, you need to preach the gospel where you preach about repentance from sin toward God. Baptism to Jesus Christ and receive the Holy Spirit. What we do today, we take everything the same day. People come, sit down, I share the gospel, they repent, they get baptized in water and they receive the Holy Spirit the same day. The important thing is that people are truly getting saved. This is what I want to share now. If you don't have those things, get it. Get it. Find somebody who can baptize you. Find somebody who can pray for you so you can receive the Holy Spirit. Often it comes by laying on the hands of other people who have it. You can also pray yourself and receive it. But it's important you need it. And it's important that you share the right gospel. And the next time I'm going to talk about repentance, then I'm going to take a whole time talking about baptism in water. Then I'm going to take a whole time on baptism with the Holy Spirit. I'm also going to take a time where I'm showing how I'm sharing the gospel out of that, those things. Maybe I'm going to take that next time and wait with other things I don't know yet. But this is what I want to share. Do you have questions about this teaching? Then come with the question and then I can take that in the next three, four lessons. And uh, I'm going to pray a prayer now and then my wife is going to sing a song again. And listen to my wife's song and let the Holy Spirit touch you. God, I thank you for this teaching. I thank you for everything you're doing. God, I pray that this is going to come back to the church. We are going to build on the right foundation with repentance, baptism in water and receiving of the Holy Spirit, God. God, let this teaching come out and set people free. Set people free from every deceive they have been living in. Set people free to share the right gospel, no matter what people around them do, God. Use this teaching. And I pray that you're going to use my wife's songs now, Lena's song, and touch people through this song, through this word, in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Who took my sin and shame?
thank you, Jesus. 